Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. For the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing conversations with the Virginia women who competed in the U.S. Women's Mid-Am in September. Qualifying for a USGA championship is always a big deal, and the diversity of age and work-slash-playing balance of the five women who qualified for the U.S. Women's Mid-Am is fascinating. And they're all women who are over 25, basically, because that's what a Mid-Am is. But in the golf industry, that's the age when many women drift away from the game to focus on families or careers. So to see how these five do it, I thought would be fascinating. Focusing in this area, though, is not to take away anything from our other USGA qualifiers this year. Emily Mahar qualified for the U.S. Women's Open and U.S. Women's Amateur. Virginia Golf Hall of Famer Keith Decker, along with Buck Britton and Roger Newsom, all qualified for the U.S. Senior Open. Ryland Shim and Justin LaRue both qualified for the U.S. Junior Amateur. Amy Ellertson, Natalie Easterly, and Andrea Miller, who we'll hear from this week, all qualified for the U.S. Senior Women's Open. Katie Park and Tatum Walsh both qualified for the U.S. Junior Girls Amateur. David Stanford, Kieran Vincent, and Connor Creasy all qualified for the U.S. Amateur. Stephen Galing and Philip Mahone qualified for the U.S. Senior Amateur. Michael Muir qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am. Alex Sleeker and Tom Vlahakis qualified for the U.S. Four Ball as did Brandon Cigna, who paired with a player from Maryland, and Lauren Greenleaf and Alexandra Austin teamed to qualify for the U.S. Women's Four Ball. We've already heard from Lauren as part of this series, and we'll hear from Alexandra in the coming weeks. So, as I mentioned before, we're talking this week with Andrea Miller. Yes, she qualified for the U.S. Senior Women's Open this year, and in VSGA play, won her second consecutive VSGA Senior Women's Amateur title. I've said enough at this point, so here's my conversation with Andrea Miller. Andrea Miller, thank you for joining us on VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. For those who don't know you, which I think that there's probably a lot of people in Virginia who do, given your championship record, but who are you and tell us a bit about where you play, where you're from, et cetera. Yeah, I'm Andrea Miller and uh, I play out of the club at Glenmore in Keswick, Virginia, just outside of Charlottesville. So I've been in Virginia since 2014 and prior to that I grew up in Houston, Texas. Okay. So how did you get started in golf? <laughs> Funny story, I guess. Um, my dad basically put a club in my hand when I was six months old. Um, he would he would take me to a local high school and run on the track and let me whack at balls in the infield after work. So that's kind of how I got started. <laughs> so he would run on the track yeah. and you would hit balls in, in, in the infield. Yeah, my dad, <laughs> he's a big golfer. Even today at 80 years old, he's still playing four or five times a week. And um so he wanted me to play golf and um, ultimately uh, we were a member of a club in Houston where uh, they had a great junior program. So I played junior golf there and, and that's really where I learned to play. I started playing competitively at the age of 10 and played the Houston Golf Association. Tell me what, what, what was the hook for you to get involved that, that young playing that much? Uh, well, I don't even remember, to uh -huh. be honest. 
it was, I remember my first group lesson and it was, it was really just about hanging out with friends and uh, being outdoors. I was always sort of a, uh, a kid who loved to be outdoors. And uh, I remember just all summer long um, spending, you know, basically sunrise to sunset at the golf course. Uh -huh. And even on the weekends when we weren't allowed to play, um, I would spend all morning on the putting green waiting for my dad to finish playing golf. Wow. So he would play and you would, you would just be there on the putting green, just, just waiting, working on your game. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. And then, so tell me about growing up playing competitively. Did you play in college? What was your junior career like? Anything like yeah. that? <laughs> my junior career was pretty uneventful outside <laughs> of, uh, I think I may have won a tournament or two at my club. Um, I, I played in a lot of Houston golf association tournaments. Uh, and I may have finished in the top five in one or two of those. I was, I was not that great. I couldn't hit a driver. <laughs> and so, but it made me a really good scrambler of, uh, and, and short game player. Um, but when I went off to college, I did not, I did not go to play golf. I basically went there, uh, with a focus on education and, uh, which was really important to my parents. And so, uh, my goal was to get my degree and then work on my golf game. Okay. And so did you do that? How did, how did that go? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, well, based on your record, you've done it. You've, you've, well, you've done I did. it. But... Yeah. So I, um, I mean, when I graduated, I would play in two or three charity golf events. I was sort of the ringer at my engineering company. Uh -huh. um, and so, and those were fun. You know, I got to play with celebrities and, and uh, everybody oohed and awed at my ability. Um, but, but I still wasn't that good. I was probably, you know, shooting around 80 at the time. Um, and I was pay playing really, really competitive soccer. And so that's where my, my athletic, um, focus was at that time, uh, -huh. uh until I moved to Virginia in 2014. Okay. So how did then, how did you make that switch from soccer to golf and yeah. what, what, what was it about Virginia that, <laughs> that did that for you? Yeah. So when I moved to Virginia, we had a wonderful pro Meredith Losey, um, who, uh, really supported me. Um, soccer was not a huge thing here in Charlottesville. I mean, there's a, there's a co-ed league, but there's no real, uh, women's leagues. And so I was like, and, and, uh, I saw the club at Glenmore and I'm like, wow, that's a beautiful golf course. I want to play it. Uh -huh. And so, I got into uh, the club and I started playing uh, pretty regularly. Um, Cindy Thompson invited me to go out and play uh, a Virginia one day tournament over at the homestead. And I'm like, wow, this was fun. <laughs> and at this time I started my, my handicap, I finally established a handicap and, and it started whittling down in single digits, three and five. And Meredith Losey, our club pro, invited me to play in a pro scratch golf tournament over at the homestead again. And it was the first time that we actually, I mean, when they posted the scores on the scoreboard and I saw um, the results, I was like, oh, I remember what competitive golf was like. I, I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> so we started playing in the, 
more uh, one-day tournaments. I played both the spring and the fall uh, over at the homestead the, both days. And uh, this time my game was getting better and better. I shot two under par at one of the uh, tournaments and dot bowling um, ran into us at a restaurant above the Cascades course uh, pro shop. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, and she goes, oh, you're Andrea Miller. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> she goes, you need to get in the scene. I'm like, well, what's the scene? And so she told me about Virginia's Carolinas uh-huh. and uh, the stroke play championship and the amateur championship. And I had started doing research because I wanted to play more competitive events. Um, and I'm like, and, and Virginia's Carolinas team matches sounded really interesting to me. And she goes, oh yeah. And so she put me in touch with Mimi Hoffman uh, and Kay Tyler, who were the captains at the time. And uh, they invited me to play in the Virginia's team. And I just fell in love with it. I uh, continued to work on my game. I played in the stroke play championship that year and finished, I think, sixth or ninth. I can't remember. But uh, top 10 finish in the stroke play, which was, you know, fun for me. Um, and I kept working on my game. And uh, ultimately, I, I attempted my first U.S. Open qualifier, which was... A nightmare because <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it was an endurance race. It was uh, as much as it was a golf tournament. But um, um, Booty McGurn came up and said, oh, you know, we all have those days. And so all the support from all these ladies I met over the years um, in, in Virginia's in, in the stroke play championships and the, the uh, Virginia's Carolinas have all been really important to really the development of me as a player. You, it's been yeah, I could tell that that support is a, is a valuable component of women's golf and women's golf in Virginia. You wrote a really sweet email back to me when I'd asked you to be on that really reflected the support that the Virginia women had for one another at the U S women's mid am at, Berkeley Hall recently. Before we get to that, I want to hear more about the feelings you were talking about when you saw the names going up on the the leaderboard of, oh yes, this is what competitive golf feels like. Because it's such a special feeling that it's difficult to articulate. So I realize I'm putting you in a tough position here, but it's like, I might, I'm not going to I'm, at least in my case, your case is a little bit different. I'm not going to win this, but my name is up there and I've played for something. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I didn't remember that. It was sort of a nostalgic feeling for me because I hadn't hadn't done anything like that since I was a junior, um, you know, some 40, well, 35 years earlier. And um and I just, it brought back so many uh, emotions from growing up as a kid when life was sort of free and, uh, or carefree. And um, I really appreciated that. And, and so that's what really made me start looking for more uh, competitive opportunities to play in. Um, so you have won, you've won the VSGA Women's Senior Amateur the last two years. Um, you're obviously... By stating that, I try not to get into people's ages, but by stating senior (laughs) amateur, and I'm just reporting the title of the championship that you won, 
you're obviously over 50. Talk a little bit about that span because this is a, as we shift sort of to the, to the women's mid-am, talk about that span from 25 to 50 and how much you were playing. That sounds like when you've really grown, but I don't know how much you played between 25 and, and maybe 35. And that's an area where a lot of get women drift away from the game. Yeah. And, and I was one of those, right. Um, from 25 to 35, I was focused on family career. Um, and uh, quite frankly, my kids activities. And so, um, didn't, didn't do a lot, uh, in the golf realm at that time. Um, it wasn't really until I turned, you know, my gosh, 44 when I really started getting back into golf. And so one of the things, uh, when, when I would go to Virginia's Carolinas or, uh, the stroke play championship, and I'd play with these young women, um, at the, you know, peak of their college careers, I I basically just told them, you know, really appreciate this time in your life because, uh, it's such a great, uh, place to be this, this competitive environment is, is not something that I did. And and it's one of the regrets I had looking back. It's like, I could have Mm. played, uh, all the way until now. And, and I somewhat regret that because my body isn't quite as capable as theirs at this point in time. Yeah. you know, you, we, as a golf association, um, and I think as, as lots of people are doing, and Lauren Greenleaf has told me about some of the tournaments that have tried to find ways to keep women engaged as they, as they come out of college so that they can have those opportunities all the way through. You, you were able to look back and realize there were opportunities to play, but at sometimes it's difficult because you are raising your family and you're um, taking your kids to activities and managing all that they have going on. So um, did you, did you ever think though, that you would be in the game uh, in the competitive game, sort of as deep as you are right now? Um, I always thought I could be, but, but I never took that first step. Um, and until and really until i came to virginia and had the opportunity through the vsga and um and so i just i'm super appreciative of of being uh given the opportunities um that we have here in virginia um and and all the wonderful people that i've that i've met along the way here that's that's awesome what i didn't i i failed to ask this what brought you to virginia a job, actually. Uh-huh. The <laughs> normal things that bring people <laughs> to other places. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was it was my job, my career, um, and so I came to uh, start a clean energy operations business uh, mm-hmm. in Charlottesville, and so that's what brought me here. Okay, so you this year qualified for the U.S. Women's Mid Am, which was at Berkeley Hall. Your qualifier site, I think you were at um, Fredericksburg Country Club. I was. Um, tell me about, well, number one, was this the first time that you had tried to qualify for the U.S. Women's Mid-Am? 
No, it, it was not. And in fact, uh, the first time I qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am was also at Fredericksburg, where I was the gold medalist uh-huh. uh, in 2018 for uh, the Norwood Hills meeting. Okay. And so how many times, so 2018, then 2021, uh, 2019, 2020, did you qualify either of those years? They didn't have one in 2020. Okay, that's what uh, I thought. And, yeah, in 2019, uh, I was the first alternate in fact, uh, Christine Robaugh um, basically uh, clipped me on 18 to, oh. to take the spot. So uh, another dear friend who went to Berkeley Hall with me, um, but uh, it just goes to show you that the, the competitive nature of even qualifying for the Mid-Am is, is so difficult here in Virginia. Yeah. So talk a little, walk us through a little bit of your qualifying round. What did you shoot? Did you have some ups and downs? Tell us, tell us about that. (laughs) Oh gosh. I don't remember exactly what I shot. Uh, I do remember that I was five over through seven holes. I think I shot a 76. Um, I think I was one under the rest of the way, but for whatever reason, uh, in recent years, I've sort of struggled in the opening holes. And it was no doubt at, you know, no different at this um, qualifier where I just got myself in trouble trying to guide guide it around the first few holes until I just let myself play. And ultimately, um, I birdied the tenth hole. I hit a after a, a terrible tee shot. I hit a five wood to about fourteen inches into the tenth green um, and tapped in birdie. And then on the 11th hole, which was the longest par four, I ended up hitting a three wood into that green and uh, making about a 30 footer for birdie. And that sort of pushed me along uh, the rest of the way. Uh, and I finished, like, as I said, one under that the rest of the way and uh, managed, managed to qualify, I think, in third. You mentioned the five woods and the three woods into greens. That's <laughs> such a commonplace component of the women's game and i think that a lot of a lot of men or women a lot of us would do well to watch more of that and have an appreciation for i personally think sort of the mentality that is taken into those types of shots um as a man or as a teenager i think a lot of times you're you're looking at your yardage and you're going well i should be hitting this so this is what i'm going to hit and having an ego about the club and the yardage where you really should not and in the women's game so many of those shots are so pure and to say you hit a five wood to 14 inches like you know if, 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 if I did that, I'd probably be bragging about that for weeks that like I hit this five wood to 14 inches. Uh, I love that about the women's game. And I, I just think that that's a wonderful quality that everyone should have a greater opportunity to watch and to respect how well that's done. Cause inherently those clubs are not easy to hit. Right. Yeah. No, in, in fact, um, you know, I, it seems like every year I lose another 10 yards to my clubs. 
<laughs> which, you know, so, so making the senior ranks, uh, was both a blessing and a curse, right? Uh -huh. Because every year I was finding it more and more difficult to play with the younger and even the mid-ams, um, just from trying to keep up with them on a distance standpoint. But what I learned, and actually I learned it at the senior amateur this year was that my five wood and three wood can be a very powerful, um, weapon in my bag of clubs, mm -hmm. um, that I didn't need to go into greens with a eight iron or a seven iron, um, that I was just as accurate with my longer clubs. And in fact, uh, after the senior amateur, uh, I went and I traded in my four iron for a nine wood because mm -hmm. <laughs> I realized just how accurate I can be with every club in my bag. So the loft of your nine wood is probably 21, 22 degrees, something like that. It's 23. It was the exact okay. same loft as my four iron. Okay. And how far do you hit that? Um, kind of loaded. I can, I can, uh -huh. I, I tend to pull it out of my bag when I'm between 175 and 190 yards. Okay. That's wow. That's, I mean, that's still pretty long. I think that I, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's what I hit my four iron. Um, and you find that the the, <laughs> the accuracy, the the dispersion even goes down probably a bit with the nine wood. And and it was really more about contact because I was very very accurate with my four iron before, but um, the four iron was the one iron in my bag where maybe I would hit it, uh, you know, perfect contact. 75 percent of the time versus you know you don't want to pull it out on that one time when you really need it and miss <laughs> right so the nine wood has definitely given me um better contact uh the dispersion is really really tight um uh I, I think of it as one of the most accurate clubs in my bag and the only downside to that is trying to hit a punch shot out of trees <laughs> <laughs> right so how much we talked about dispersion i'm just curious how much do you do you get into that type of data do you have access to a, a, a simulator or a personal or a launch monitor where you're tracking that type of a stuff that, that type of stuff or are you just kind of anecdotally walking away from a range session saying i hit that really well today you go out to the course you know, you've got it into three greens, you hit two of them, et cetera. You say it's pretty good. How, how closely do you follow that stuff? Yeah, I, I track my general stats uh, on a day-to-day -day basis just because I, I typically hit somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to 15 greens. And that's, uh, I know I'm, I'm playing pretty well at that point. About once or twice a year, uh, I'll, I'll go and get on a tracker um, either I guess through a fitting, um, if I'm, I'm looking to upgrade a club or, uh, occasionally my good friend, Lauren Greenleaf will come down and bring her tracker. So that's, uh -huh. it's always wonderful when I see myself on a tracker. Um, it's amazing how quickly I can tweak my swing and, and regain yardage or, uh, realize something that I didn't know I was doing, um, and it can really improve my game for an extended period of time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm always curious to see how much, how or how closely 
top competitive golfers are following that 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 type of stuff because I think it's you can go one way or the other and have success either way and it's it's just fascinating to to learn that Let's yeah I, talk- tend, I tend to do look at my stats a lot just just from the standpoint of uh, understanding where I'm I'm weak right now and need to focus um, and in particular ahead of going into one of the, the championships I, I want to be at my peak performance and so I pay probably even closer attention at that point. And of course, you're logging your hole by hole stats using the MyVSGA <laughs> mobile app and entering your hole by hole stats. And that's where you're doing all the reviewing. We'll just leave it at that. I'm sure that's where <laughs> it's happening. Um, let's talk a little bit about Berkeley Hall. So you go down to South Carolina uh, this year with um, four other women from the VSGA, Christine, Lauren, Alex, Alexandra Austin, and uh, Mariah Hopkins. Um, What are your expectations when you go to a USGA championship like that? Or or what were your expectations this year? Um, To be really honest, uh, I had sort of gotten to a point where I didn't think I could really compete at that yardage. Uh, it's it's the longest yardage I've ever made a USGA championship that we played. It was, I think, 6,250 yards, maybe, no, maybe even longer. Um, it was long. Mm-hmm. And so my expectation was go down there, play as well as I can for two rounds and, and be happy with the experience because um, the only other time I went to the US Mid-Am, it was such an incredible experience. I probably put myself under more pressure than I would just going out and playing golf um, because I wanted to go back so bad. Mm-hmm. And so going into Berkeley Hall and seeing the yardage and understanding just how good these women are um, in that 25 to 30 um, age group and how far they hit the ball, um, I felt like if I played my absolute best, I could have maybe a little success, but I, I sort of went down there with, uh, not big expectations. Okay. Well then you, you shoot 74, 75 and are, you know, tie for 12th and end up in the, in the, in the breakout into match play as 13 seed. <laughs> Talk about those rounds. Cause those were pretty good. So I had literally two weeks earlier, just gotten back from the U S senior. And so I had played a lot of golf, um, you know, leading up to the mid am and I felt like, as I mentioned before, uh, I was really, really accurate with every club in my bag. Uh, in my short game, um, I had spent a great deal of time working on uh, some bunker play and some chip shots that I don't typically do while I'm working during the work week. Mm-hmm. And so my game was at uh, a really, really good spot. And I felt like um, that I could par every single hole. And if I could get my putter going, I, I could have success. And so when I saw um, the scores come in uh, day one, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I'm like, okay, let's just repeat it day two. Um, and I did it again day two. And I felt I was still sort of in awe at the fact that I had finished so low uh, through match play. But um, I was really, really proud of the fact that I've made three USGA championships and made match play in all three. And this was my best. 
Wow. And so to me, it, it's sort of like, oh, well, maybe I st- can still compete at this level. And uh, I was very, very proud of that. Wow, that's awesome. So, I mean, you're obviously you're over 50. Where does you, where did you, sorry, this is an honest, I don't know if there's a good way to answer it. Were you the oldest there? How did you, how did you feel? No, I wasn't the oldest. Actually. Okay, great. Good. That makes me feel <laughs> so, better. Yeah, no, I felt great. No. Um, in fact, my first practice round, I played with Laura Tennant um, and, um, oh my gosh, can't think of her name now. Um, but the, the two finalists for the U S senior women's. And okay. so it was a great opportunity to see how those women who are, um, a little older than me, um, compete at that level year in and year out. And, um, they were just Ellen Port, uh, was the other one. And there's just so delightful in their approach to the game, uh, and not letting, you know, big hitters intimidate them and just playing their game. Um, you know, you can learn from everybody you play with, uh, and pick up little bits and things. And, and they certainly gave me, uh, a calmness to approach, approach the course. I watched how they did their practice round and that also helped me, um, <laughs> not a big hitter anymore, uh, approach Berkeley hall as well. Okay. Now you go in, so going into match play, what is your, I mean, you've had success in match play with it, whether it being VSGA championships or otherwise, what's your match play mentality like? I love match play. I really, really love match play because every hole is its own match, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes me probably a little bit more aggressive putter. just because I know what I need to do on every single hole. And, um, I think, you know, having success at the senior amateur, uh, Virginia senior amateur and, uh, in Virginia's Carolinas has helped me, um, (laughs) really sort of build a confidence level going into match play that I feel like I could beat anybody on any Mm -hmm. given day. So, um, yeah, I, I feel very confident about match play. Okay. And so your first match, you win two and one. Any was there anything uh, memorable about that match? Um, yeah, I was down early, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and in fact, the the one opportunity that I that I had to take a lead early because uh, I had I had thrown a shot in uh, about eighteen inches away from the hole on the second hole, par five. And I thought, okay, here we go. We're going to take the lead and we're just going to run with it because it's always easier to play with the lead in match play, uh, in my opinion. Um, but she made a long birdie putt to tie me and I'm like, oh, okay. And then, then we went down. But when I get down in match play, my mentality is um, just refuse to lose. And uh because to me that would be a failure and so i i just grind really really hard i came back i took the lead and i just uh ran it to the end uh-huh. <laughs> but but it was really uh about grinding to the finish i didn't have my best swing that day but but uh i did manage to win mm-hmm. and as my first ever win 
in match play in a USGA championship. I was super happy about that. Mm. And then, so uh, number one, who was your, or, or how old was your competitor? I can't remember her name. I had it up um, a minute ago. Um, and her name slips me at this point in time too. Um, she was, I want to say in late twenties, um, she had played, um, collegiate golf, um, can't remember where it was, um, but she was a good player. And, and apparently, uh, I learned after the fact, it's always good to learn this after the fact, but the last time she played at the Mid-Am, she was a quarter finalist. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. But she, her game was extremely consistent. Um, you know, she never got into trouble. And so it was really just about not going off the rails um, to ultimately beat her. Yeah, Christy Christy Schultz from uh, Rochester, New York. Yeah, yeah, um, she's super nice. So then, in the second round, in the in the round of thirty two, um, you play Ina Kim Shad, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, yeah, and that match just did not go your way. <laughs> no. I, I was, you know, even before we started, I was like, great, the defending champion. This is awesome. <laughs> and um, I, I asked Lauren about her. She's like, yeah, she's really consistent. I'm like, okay, great. Um, <laughs> but I still felt like, you know, I was going to make her birdie to win. Well, she had no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> She birdied six, seven, eight, and ten. Um, and by that time, I think I was four down, and it was not getting any prettier. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I had opportunities. Um, I just barely missed putts that that could have dropped, um, and I think it would have prolonged it. But you know, was so good that day. I mean, she just she just played incredibly good golf. Um, it was. Quite frankly, it was fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're if you're not on that that side of it, it's a lot of it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. But you you have such a great attitude about it, and this is what I want to round out the conversation with is that level of support that you mentioned. And you know, in your email back to me, you wrote just some wonderful notes about the camaraderie that the women from Virginia have. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's really that's really special. And I think those are things that we don't often think of when we have those types of opportunities to, to play in a golf tournament or a golf outing or whatever it is. We don't celebrate some of those enough. We thought we think about, I hit this shot. Well, I hit that shot. Well, but the fellowship that we get to have before, during, and after is equally as special. Yeah. So I, just a, a quick story after my round of 32 or uh, round of 64, when I, when I won, I was in the uh, sort of lunchroom eating lunch and texting with a friend about, um, Mariah's match. And she's like, Oh yeah, Mariah's on 18. She's got a win to extend. I'm like, are you serious? And so I look out the window and I see Mariah coming down and I'm like, Oh gosh. Okay. She's going to have to make this. And it was not an easy putt for her to make. <laughs> and she made it and her opponent missed. And so they tied the last hole and went on to, um, 
uh, extra holes. And I'm like, oh, that's it. So I jump up from the table, run out. I meet her at the, the walk from uh, the uh, 18th hole back over to one is not a short walk. And so I meet her about halfway uh, back to the first tee. And I'm like, hey, Mariah, great job there. You got this. And um, I said, do you mind if I watch you? Um, and she was like, yeah, let's bring the team back together. Because the last time I played at the Virginia's Carolinas, we repaired all three days. Okay. And so we were a team. Not to mention the, the whole Virginia's team, but, but we in particular had um, that camaraderie from uh, – from Virginia's Carolinas when we were at Glade Springs. And she's like, yeah. And she gives me a high five, bring the team back together. She goes to one, she wins on the very first hole. And so we celebrated and went to dinner and it was just, it just felt like um, when we all got together and I, and I had dinner with Alex um, and her mom and Brian Maloney as well. And it felt like when we were all together, it, we're just part of this big team, Virginia. Yeah. And um you know, I was so proud of that. And then I get a little bit emotional just because of the closeness I feel for, for all these women, um, that I've been teammates with. Uh, and I just, you know, really support all other golf endeavors and, and want them to have as much success as they possibly can. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you. I haven't, unfor for, unfortunately for me, I have not made it to enough uh, senior women's VSGA events. And I hope to change that in 2022. Um, it's so great catching up with you and hearing about your story and your journey in the game and sharing those, those words of wisdom that you can with other women is, uh, is special. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of golf in the Commonwealth and big thanks to Andrea Miller. The 2021 season is coming to an end, so be on the lookout for ways to renew your VSGA membership in 2022 or visit your VSGA member club to make sure they renew you for the new year. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.